0: When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. So we are in episode 19 of our study, Exodus, God's great rescue. And we have seen two of the plagues that have happened. Uh, There was the plague of... Well, let's see. Can you remember? The first plague, uh, we have a skinned knee. And a skinned knee is blood, right? So the the Nile turned to blood. All the lakes in Egypt turned into blood. So that was like the first plague. And then sitting on the knee is a frog. And so the second plague is the frog. And so now we, we... are going to go to the third plague and just kind of see where that takes us. So we had the first plague of blood, the second plague of frogs, and now we're getting into the third plague, which is going to hit home. We're reading in Exodus 8, beginning at chapter, chapter 8, beginning at verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground. And throughout the land of Egypt, the dust will become gnats. They did this. And when Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the ground, gnats came upon people and animals. All the dust throughout the land of Egypt became gnats. But when the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, they could not. Since the gnats were on people and animals everywhere, the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen, just as the Lord had said. So this is the plague of gnats. Um, I, Gnats are those little, little tiny insects. I think they bite. Don't gnats? I, I don't know if we have gnats. I'm going to look it up here. I'm on the internet and I'm just going to say gnats definition and just see what it is. Gnats are a small two-winged fly that resemble a mosquito. Gnats include both biting and non-biting forms, and they typically form large swarms. So that's typical of gnats, is that they're in the air and they're like flies. They either bite or they don't fly or bite, and they create swarms. So I don't know, we maybe have had gnats. Here in Arizona, our biggest thing is the termites. They look like ants, but they've got wings on them. And what those really are, when those happen, when it rains and those start flying around, then you get um, you get these swarms of what look like ants, flying ants, but they're really termites. They're trying to find a new home. Uh, and they typically come up after a rain. And it, But a full rain, they, they don't necessarily do. It's like a light rain where it kind of gets enough moisture in the ground to kind of drive them out of the ground. But if it's too much rain, they might as well just stay there because n- there's no rain anywhere. A uh, funny story about termites, uh, which happened when I was in Phoenix, I was a land surveyor and there was a guy named Bob who was the party chief. I was the there's typically three people on a on a survey crew, but this was just two of us. It was Bob and I and we were on the survey crew and we were surveying in Phoenix back in I'm going to have to say it was probably about 1980, 81, 79, something like that. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. And we were surveying cell towers. This was when cell phones were just coming out and they were putting cell cell towers all the around all the way around Phoenix. And uh, the cell towers had to be completely the, there was a certain amount of degrees they had to be off north uh to make sure that they were that they were rotated perfectly uh in i mean i don 't think they have to be exact now, but when they were f- first putting up the cell towers, they were very very expensive they were trying to make sure that they were exactly positioned and so we uh this was back before g p s we didn't have g p s back then, so the only way you could find out the true direction of north was with a compass or um to take some measurements on the land and try to make sure that the land. But they, the the uh, AT and T back then, they they did it all off of a magnetic, not magnetic north. Uh, it ba- basically it was it was uh it was, we had to take a solar shot, which means we had to go out there, put filters on the transit, and actually uh, get the angles of the sun as it was going by the horizon, and then use an ephemeris and actually try to find out where true north was based upon. Solar, solar measurements is basically what it is. Uh, and, and so that that's a long explanation. We were standing, standing on a hill and it rained and then it stopped raining. And so we were out there. We had to get the solar shot shot done. And all of a sudden the gnats came out and they came out in full force. And my friend Bob was a smoker. So he pulled out a cigarette and he started smoking a cigarette and all the nat, gnats left him because they didn't like the smoke. And so I said, Bob, give me a cigarette. And he said, you don't smoke. And I said, I don't care. I'm going to start. So he handed me a cigarette. I lit it up. uh, I took a puff and started coughing. And that attracted the gnats. So basically, I'm sitting here wet because it had just stopped raining. Um, The gnats are flying all around my face. And I've got cigarette smoke all in my face. And I'm coughing. And the gnats didn't leave. And it was probably, of all the things that have ever happened to me my whole entire life, the most miserable day I've ever, ever, ever had in my whole entire life. Well, they really weren't gnats. They were termites. They were flying ants. But I called them gnats because anything that's flying here in the air, right, we call that a gnat. So we're not exactly sure what a biblical gnat was. It was probably some small flying insect that was just annoying, right? Just, it could have been mosquitoes, it could have been gnats, it could have been flying termites. Uh, who knows what it was? But you can imagine how horrible this was for Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh is, uh, you know, he, the, the gnats were on people, they're on everywhere, and the magician said that we can't do this. This is not something that we can do. Um, now, the interesting thing is, is the way it reads in the Old Testament is that Aaron stretched out his staff and struck the dust to the ground, and gnats came on? It's um, it's he says that the dust will become gnats. Well, do we? Believe, if you take it literally, remember we said there's three ways to take to take these things. One is a completely literal way. One is kind of a how could it happen? And and one is um, you know, it probably is just a parable. So the completely literal way would be that that the dust actually turned into gnats, the way this reads, right? Uh, that God, through his infinite power, spoke, and the dust turned into gnats. Well, that would be an amazing thing. God is certainly capable of doing that. The 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 magicians of Pharaoh can't do that, but I don't know if I think that's what it was. I think probably that he struck the ground, and the gnats kind of came out of the ground, um, and then they started flying around. Remember, they... Dust is in swarms and gnats are in swarms. So it's kind of easy that a dust storm could reveal gnats that were already there. I mean, that would be kind of a physical explanation to what this is. Um, And then the third explanation is that this really didn't happen. This is just a parable that was passed down from child to child to kind of elevate the story. Um, And there are whatever you cling to on your reading of this story. For me, um, I, I, you know, I, I don't see how God couldn't have turned them into gnats. I mean, I, I believe in possible things every day. So um, this is something that happened thousands of years ago. What does it matter? What, you know, how you believe how the gnats came out. But um, so I don't know. Maybe today I'll say that the dust actually turned into gnats. That would be kind of cool. Because the, the Egyptian, the uh, because the magicians couldn't get the, the gnats to come out. I mean, of all the things that you'd think the gnats would be the easiest thing to come up with. And they're like, hey, we can't do this. This is definitely the finger of God. So you think that Pharaoh would have completely then said, okay, well, if this is the finger of God, then I've got to listen to to God. But Pharaoh doesn't. He hardens his heart and he doesn't listen, just as the Lord said. Um, No, Pharaoh's heart was hard because God, God is the one that hardens Pharaoh's heart. So his heart is hard and he would not listen just as the Lord said. Now, The other thing about gnats is that we have these things called forward flies in Arizona, and we've had a forward fly infestation. I've been reading uh, on apps in our community about other people that are having forward fly infestations, and this is why I believe maybe the plague of gnats, and then next is going to be the plague of flies that I am now giving you a personal testimony here. And the personal testimony is this. I would do anything. I would release all the slaves of Egypt. I would do anything to get rid of these forward flies. They, When they were at their peak about a couple weeks ago, they were flying around my head. I can remember trying to do this on uh, on the broadcast and that they're flying around my head and I'm trying to stay concentrated and they're landing on my face and tickling me, and just all that stuff, and it is a it is a plague. Anybody that says, "Oh, it's just it's just gnats, it's just flies, it's no big deal." No, they're a plague. They're horrible. They're they're probably one of the worst plagues that you could ever be plagued with, and I don't like it. And um, so, just just hear me out here. Plagues of gnats are horrible. And please ever, don't ever be, you wouldn't want gnats, plague of gnats on your, on your worst enemy. They're just really, really horrible. I just had to get that off of my chest. We put up these, uh, well, we put up apple cider vinegar with a little bit of uh, soap on it, and that traps them. And we've got them all throughout the house, and they keep trapping them, but the, the numbers are dwindling, so that's good. And then we also bought these strips that you put on the window, and they fly on them and they stick. And I could throw them away, but I just love looking at dead gnats because it just makes me feel like I have control. All right. (coughs) All right. So that's enough of that. That was the plague of gnats. Now we're going to go to the plague of flies. So we're going to start reading in Exodus 8, chapter 20. Uh, Exodus 8, verse 20. Then the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh as he goes to the river and say to him, This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you do not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and your officials, on your people and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians will be full of flies. Even the ground will be covered by them. But on that day, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen, where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there so that you will know that I am the Lord am in the land. I will make a distinction between my people and your people. This sign will occur tomorrow. All right, so his people are living in the land of Goshen, and uh, Pharaoh is in Egypt. Now, it's interesting. Now, this is the second time that Moses goes to confront Pharaoh at the Nile River. So I'm guessing, and I don't know, I should do some research on this, but I'm guessing that... The Nile River on one side of the Nile River would have been Pharaoh and his palace with maybe a stone path that goes down to the river where Pharaoh could wash in the river or Pharaoh could play in the river. You know, he could have the water from the river and that he controls that bank of the river and that the people, when they have requests of Pharaoh, would be on the other side of the river and they would come up and they would speak their requests. So it's almost like a natural barrier between the people and Pharaoh. If you think about it it's almost like a linear moat and on a calm day if the river's not that wide i mean there are certainly places in the Nile River where it's slow flowing and 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 probably you could speak and your voice would carry across the river into into Pharaoh that you could probably have court with Pharaoh and from that court of Pharaoh Pharaoh is protected because of the river but they can have Pharaoh can hold court we always see Pharaoh holding court in his palace, in the pyramid, and they have guards around the palace, and then people get through the guards to get to the palace to have to have an audience with Pharaoh. But before they developed that system, I wonder if they had this system where Pharaoh would be on the one side of the Nile and the people would come up to the other side of the Nile and they would have these courts with Pharaoh. Uh, and maybe that's even where this whole idea of holding court comes from is is that Pharaoh would come out to the Nile and the people would come out and that's where they'd hold, hold this court. That's what it kind of feels like to me. I have no idea and I haven't researched it, but that's just what I think. And um, so so Mo, God tells Moses to go tell Pharaoh and that he's going to actually bring swarms of flies. But for the, the Israelites who live in Goshen, they're not going to get the swarms of flies. But everybody else outside of that in Egypt is going to get flies. And this is going to be a miracle because you would expect flies, if they're going to be a swarm of flies, you'd expect them to be everywhere. But, but there's going to be a line of demarcation between God's people and the Egyptians. And when that happens, that will prove to everybody that God's behind this. I mean, surely this is going to show Pharaoh. So, what happens? Let's see. We finished on uh, verse 23. Let's keep reading. And the Lord did this. Dense swarms of flies poured into Pharaoh's palace and into the houses of his officials. Throughout Egypt, the land was ruined by flies. So, what happens? Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God here in the land. Um, verse 26. But Moses said... That would not be right. The sacrifices we offer the Lord our God would be detestable to the Egyptians. And if we offer sacrifices that are detestable in their eyes, will they not stone us? We must take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God as he commands us. Pharaoh said, I will let you go to offer sacrifices to the Lord your God in the wilderness, but you must not go very far. Now pray for me. Wow, Moses answered, as soon as I leave you, I will pray to the Lord and tomorrow the flies will leave Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Only let Pharaoh be sure that he does not act deceitfully again by not letting the people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. So this is what happens. Moses does go up. Pharaoh comes down. He explains the whole thing about how it's going to be two divisions of flies, land of Goshen, and the rest of Egypt. And Pharaoh says, go and just go offer your sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses says, no, we have to go out into the wilderness to act, offer sacrifice because you won't like what we do. So we have to go out into the wilderness and then we'll do it. And he says, well, then pray for me now. And Moses says, no, we'll go out into the wilderness. We'll offer our sacrifice, sacrifices. We'll pray for you then. Um, And as soon as I leave to you, we'll pray to the Lord. Only don't go back on your word again just don't do it well what happens then moses left pharaoh and prayed to the lord and the lord did what moses asked the flies left pharaoh and his officials and his people not a fly remained but this time also pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go so we have a word for this this is called um this is called being passive aggressive right <laughs> Um, people who say that they're going to do one thing and then they go back on their word. The, the clinical definition of passive-aggressive is people who use non, non-aggressive means to get their way, right? And one of the ways that people do that is they just ignore you. So you've met passive-aggressive people. You say, hey, can you do this and this and this and this? And they agree and they agree and they agree because uh, they don't want to say no or they don't want to get into an argument and then you leave and then they don't do it. That's that's the classical passive aggressive thing, or they say they're going to do one thing and they do something other, um, and people are are this way that particularly people don't like conflict that they typically are just passive about their conflict that, um, and because I'm not very much in favor, there's a lot of people that aren't in favor of conflict, um, then um, that you know they just they just won't engage in the battle, but then they're just going to do what they're going to do. And they're not even going to tell you that they're going to do what they're going to do. That doesn't work uh, in the, in the business world. What doesn't work in any world? If you're going to be passive aggressive, people are pretty much going to stop, you know, assigning tasks to you or trying to get you to do things or, you know, even sometimes even relating to you because passive aggressiveness just doesn't work. Um, But it is, you know, so there are some things that there are some people that can't Uh, handle conflict. And so that's how they do it. You know, Pharaoh and Moses are in conflict and Pharaoh has the upper hand here. He could just tell him, I'm not going to let you go. You can do whatever you want. I'm not going to let you go. And Moses would have at least then, you know, accelerated the plagues. But think about all the damage that happened here because of, of this passive aggressive behavior from Pharaoh. And there's all passive aggressive behavior always causes damage. I mean, that that is pretty much true, because in this case with Pharaoh, there's going to be a whole lot more plagues that are going to happen. And that's all because of uh, because of what he did. All right. So um, just we're going to take a pause here and uh, we still have a part of the story, but we've got a um, gnats and flies. And so somehow we have to build this image of um, gnats and flies. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to put a gnat on the fly's uh, right eye. And I'm going to put a gnat, on, uh, a, f- a gnat on the right eye, flies on the left eye. So he's got two eyes. And on the, on the eyes, he's got a gnat and a, f- and a fly. And we'll remember that gnats are smaller than flies, at least typically they are. Um, and so the smaller would go on the right eye and the bigger would go on the left eye, gnats and flies. So that's our image. We've got blood on our skin knee, which stands for blood in the water. We've got a frog standing or sitting on the skinned knee. And then you have a gnat on the right eye and a fly on the left eye. Okay. So if you can remember that, then you've remembered the first four plagues that have happened. Um, So then we're going to get into the plague of the livestock. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is Exodus chapter 9 verse 1, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock in the field, on your horses, donkeys, camels, cattle, sheep, and goats. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. So here's another plague that he's talking about where he's going to make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So now God is stepping up his game and he is bringing this plague to Pharaoh and his people only and not to the Israelites. And it looks like this one is going to be a plague on the livestock. Now, remember, this is the, the, the livestock that people had back then were critical to life. They got milk from livestock, you know, goat cheese. They had, do they have goats on here? Yeah, goats. Um, they got wool. They got um, they got food. They, they got transportation. I mean, just all the things that we have in modern society today that is provided to us by a various amount of means back then everything was dependent upon livestock if you did not have good healthy livestock you very well could have died so this is a very 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 serious plague the the plague of the river well you know they could dig beside the river and get fresh water it was uncomfortable and stinky but at least they could survive the one with frogs, you know, that were uncomfortable and they were they were everywhere and it was miserable, but at least they could survive. Gnats and flies make you miserable, but at least you survive. But now when you start talking about a plague on the livestock, this is God elevating the plague a whole new step, a whole new step. Um, I will go ahead and keep reading just one more verse or a couple more verses. The Lord set a time and said, tomorrow the Lord will do this in the land. And the next day, the Lord did it. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one animal belonging to the Israelites died. Pharaoh investigated and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died. Yet his heart was unyielding, and he would not let the people go. So even with this incredible miracle, he's not even going back to his magicians course, how do you, if all your livestock's died, what are the magicians going to do? They're completely powerless in this. So this is the fifth plague, and this is elevated quite a bit. And the fifth plague is the livestock. You've got horses, donkeys, camels, cattle, sheep, and goats. Horses, donkeys, camels, cattle, sheep, and goats. And all of them are going to get this plague. So there was some sort of plague that affected, didn't affect humans, but it affected all the animals and they died and it died miserably. So on this plague, if we want to have this one, I'm going to just say that we have camels, uh, sheep, goats, donkeys, uh, cattle, and they're in a circle around you with the bloody knee and the frog on the bloody knee with a gnat and the fly. All right, so that's the five plagues so far livestock plagues um and then coming back flies gnats frogs and blood in the river so that uh keep going repeat that over and over again and pretty soon you'll have all 10 plagues uh, we only have four more to go and so uh we'll see how that goes and so um uh yeah pharaoh passive aggressive he's just he says you know, one thing and then he does another could have could have avoided a lot of conflict here. Could have quite could have avoided not conflict, could have created conflict, but it could have avoided pain and suffering. So we'll leave it there, and then we'll get together tomorrow. So uh, let's go ahead and close out in prayer. Dear God, um, continue to be with us, and thank you uh, for this beautiful day. Thank you for the lessons of the Exodus. In Jesus' name, Amen.